It's time for the Luca Rosano Show. Here's your host, Luca Rosano. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Luca Rosano Show. I'm your host, Luca Rosano, and this show is presented by Dave and Busters. On today's show, as you can see, I got a very special, special guest. His name is Tim McAuliffe, and he's the co-host of Thanks. Tim and Sid. Tim, how's it going, man? I thought you were going to do someone, someone else when I, when I first heard the introductions, <laughs> but I'm glad it was me. Uh, I appreciate uh, you having me on. I really appreciate you taking the time uh, out of your busy schedule to do this. I got to ask, Tim, how is it doing the show remotely? Um, well, I guess you would know. <laughs> it's, uh, it can be challenging at times. Uh, I've got my dog uh, sitting on the other side of this couch, and at uh, 11.15, I'll be taking the kids home for lunch. So it's been a bit of a different task, and I'm sure that you've had uh, incidents around the house where you know uh, someone goes to the washroom at the wrong time. Someone, yeah. <laughs> someone goes, uh, I've had the kids walk right through the set during the show. So, I mean, I'm trying to embrace it because I don't know if we'll ever have situations like this again. I mean, I'm doing uh, my dream job, a national television and radio show at home, and having the kids and the dog and the puppy running through uh, the workplace. So it's, you know, I'm trying to embrace it and make it fun. Uh, but it can be difficult at times. Do you like it better if they like if it's a perfect setting at home, no distractions, like you said, you're working your dream job at home, isn't that the yeah. a win win situation? <laughs> uh, in, in, I, I, to be honest with you, I really like walking around the building and getting a feel for what everyone else is doing. And I feel yeah. like, honestly, one of my strengths is understanding what other people do in and around our place. And when you're not around them, you can't know that. Like, you can't know how busy people are. You can't be um, as compassionate for what they're going through when you're just sitting at home. Like, you, you, yeah. there's there's a different feel to it. And I appreciate being at home because first glance, you're right. Like, doing your dream job in your basement is awesome. <laughs> uh, talking to Luca Rosano from my basement is awesome. But uh, there's certain things that you just can't get sitting at home uh, a feel for. And those are the things that I miss not going in. Tim McAuliffe here on the Luca Rosano Show, the co-host of Tim and Sid. Tim, how is it working with Sid? <laughs> yeah, I think everyone knows. I think there's, if you watch the show, you know what it's like working with Sid. Uh, the one thing that I love about Sid is he's always prepared. Yeah. And there's, you could throw literally any sport at him and he's got an answer because he's consuming everything. So there's not many people that I could do that with in the world. And I'm like, God's honest truth. Sid is like, I love the character. Uh, I love the dude. Um, and there's a lot of people who poke fun at the way he pokes fun at himself. But there are not a lot of people in the world that know as much about sports as he does. And I'm talking about all sports. Like, yeah, there's not an there's not a sport that you could I could throw at him. Serie soccer, and I know he's got an answer. Um, I could throw at him Ligue 1, and I know he's got an answer. You know, like, it's just, there's not a lot that you can throw at him that he doesn't know. So uh, for all of the uh, all the stuff that you see on screen, that's real. That's how we interact with each other all the time. And, uh, but I there is there is that element that I think people don't appreciate enough that he knows a lot. Well, I appreciate it. You know, the fact that your characters and personas match so well together. You've been doing it for so long, you know, dating back 
to the score days, you're, you guys are still going strong on TV. And, uh, yeah. you know, from a fan's perspective, I admire the work you guys do. You make it look so easy. And people think this job is easy, but a lot <laughs> of times it's not. You know, to be as, as good and sound so smooth as, you know, yourself and Sid, um, you know, what has been the biggest challenge for you uh, throughout the years of, of being a sportscaster? You know, it's funny, as you're saying that, I'm just thinking, like, I, I've been lucky enough to be me. And a lot of people don't know what that means. Um, but when you're on air and you're, you're, you're on camera, a lot of people, my first time I ever did a TV hit, um, I had my hands resting on the desk. And when I picked up my hands, there was a pool of sweat that had accumulated around the hand. And you just saw this paw print of, like, at first, I thought I had spilt something, God's honest truth. And then I realized, oh, bleep, that's just my hand sweating. Yeah. And and people get nervous. And that's getting past that is really hard uh, for anyone. And when you realize that you can just be you on camera uh, or on radio or on a podcast, it's a huge relief because you don't have to put on this persona. Yeah. And you don't have to you don't have to fake it. And uh, with Sid and, and, and early on in my career, I had enough of a background that I felt really comfortable being me uh, in every aspect. And before I worked with Sid, I did this show called Score on the NFL with Greg Sansoni. I, remember that. I did court surfing uh, by myself and then sometimes with Sherman Hamilton. I've done play by play. And throughout it all, I had the confidence just to be me. And it made it all a lot easier to be smooth because you're just talking you're yeah. just whether it's luca uh rosano whether it's sid Sixero, uh whether it's you know uh charles oakley or um you know the gary bettman it's just if you're being you it's way easier to do this job and and yeah. to and to be on tv or be in the public eye or even to do a speech in front of your class yeah if you're just being you it's so much easier yeah, I think that part gets lost, especially with young, aspiring sports media personalities like myself. We look at guys like you and say, okay, I got to be the next Tim McAuliffe. I got to be the next Sid Sixero. I got to be the next Stephen A. Smith. But, you know, the the truth of the matter is, like you said, you just got to be yourself. And, and that persona, that personality will shine through, uh, you know, on TV or, or digitally. Yeah, it's, it's so funny, too, because I've, I've been caught. Like, I was myself for 10 years. And then when we moved over to the sports net, I was like, well, where, where am I going to go here? Like, would I be the host of Hockey Night in Canada when Ron McLean is done? Or would I be, you know, the host of Raptors or do play by play? And I thought they wanted a certain person to do that job. And then as I've been there, I realized who cares if they like you, they like you, they'll yeah. put you don't try and be what you think they want you to be. When you start doing that, you get yourself in trouble. And even you know, a decade in the business, I got caught doing the same thing. So it's not it's not easy all the time, but um, when you remember to be yourself, it's the best way to go. We got Tim McAuliffe here on unless the you're Rosa. boring. What's that? You're bo unless you're boring. If you're boring, yeah, then, yeah. then don't be yourself. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. And luckily for us, you're not boring, or else you wouldn't be on this show. Um, Tim, I want to get your reaction now to the way the Raptor season ended. Because, you know, obviously the narrative coming into this season was that we weren't supposed to have a deep playoff run without Kawhi, without Danny Green. The team goes yeah. on this improbable run. It ends the way it does. We lose mm -hmm. in heartbreaking fashion in Game 7. The fans, you know, have a huge outcry all over social media. I want to get 
Tim McAuliffe's raw reaction to how the Raptors season ended, given every single circumstance that took place this season. Yeah, I thought it was a tough way to go down. Um, but I will say this. When you set a franchise record for winning percentage in a year where you lost a superstar who's probably top five in the league, that says something about your franchise. Yeah. And I know when you get upset at the end of a game seven that sometimes you can't remember that. But I think when you allow it to sit and marinate for a couple days, 24 hours a week, it should go back to what was the actual season. And I think the actual season was a success. Now, would I have liked to have seen a team that had been there before execute better down the stretch in the fourth quarter against a Boston team that basically hadn't been there before? Yes. Yes, I would have liked to have seen that. Would I have liked to have seen maybe a timeout in the final Fred possession? Probably. Probably. But the, the hindsight is twenty twenty on both accounts. The hindsight should always be, okay, game seven didn't work out the way you wanted it to, but did the season work out the way you wanted it to? Did the um, did the the players that you wanted to see improve, improve? Did the players that you want to see step up, step up? And I think for every answer that you get, save for Pascal Siakam in the bubble, the answer was yes. Yeah. And even with Pascal, it's, it's such... Like, before bubble, after bubble, way bigger sample size before bubble, and he answered every question that you had before the bubble. And after the bubble, he struggled. But, um, you know, and I think I think a lot of what you saw on social media and a lot of what you saw was the initial reaction. Yeah. The take a deep breath, let's figure this out. I think you're starting to see a little bit more of that now, a week later. Let's talk more about Pascal Siakam. Do you still have confidence that he can become the main guy on this team? Or is he better suited as a complementary piece moving forward? Like, where do you see his fit on this team? I don't think we'll know until the next postseason. But I think for any good team, you don't want Pascal Siakam to be um, the go-to guy. Like, who does that successfully? You just saw Kawhi Leonard go out of the postseason with Paul George. Those are supposed to be two go-to guys. They both struggled mightily in game seven. Yeah. Like, I think when what bothers me is when, when basketball fans scream and yell and they don't watch other games. They just watch their team. And I find that with Raptors Nation about the referees, and I find that in the, in the breakdown of what you have. Pascal Siakam was asked by many of those who are ripping him on the internet to be better than Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were in their game seven. Like, does that make sense to you? Yeah. Because to me, it doesn't. Now, can he grow into a top five player in the league? I'm not so sure, but I know that good franchises, even with LeBron James, you win championships by surrounding him with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. You win championships by giving him Kyrie Irving. And... LeBron James is undoubtedly the best player in the game right now. Like, Giannis Antetokounmpo went out, same round. Is he the MVP? Does anyone question if he's the MVP? No. Like, these are things that I really think, and, and I, it's, it's up to guys like us to remind fans, but I do think that sometimes you take the deep breath, you look, and then you realize, oh, yeah, like, what are we asking Pascal Siakam to be? Yeah. And is that fair? Yeah. And I remember I did, 
I did that with, with DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry when they were struggling. And people got mad. They literally got mad. You can't, you can't say that DeMar DeRozan might not be able to do this with just Kyle Lowry. He might leave. <laughs> Look around, man. Like, if you think they're, they're good enough to pull this off, then don't get upset. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, even with, even with Kyle Lowry, the same slander uh, when they had the underwhelming, you know, first round exit uh, against yeah. the Wizards that year, everybody was going after Kyle. And then did you know just a few short seasons later, he'd be playing this kind of basketball, he'd be an NBA champion, and he's continuing to get better with age, it seems. Yeah, yeah. So that's the that's the perfect comparison. That's the one I went to on Twitter was like, don't act like you didn't just watch Kyle Lowry go from perennial loser to the greatest Raptor of all time and the definition of a winner in even media below the 49th parallel, uh, giving him that credit. When Pascal Siakam, pa Pascal Siakam is 26 years old. When Kyle Lowry was 26, he wasn't even a starter in the league. Mm -hmm. He was not an all-star. He... He was none of the things that you now know him as, and yet you want Pascal to be that. And I get it. I just watched Jason Tatum, and he's a pimp. But is he going to be there yet? Let's down 2-0. We're going to see, right? Yeah. And I promise I didn't read your uh, tweet before doing the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I I mean, and and like, I don't I don't use Twitter as much as I used to because I find the conversation has devolved. But every once in a while, I feel like you need to go out there and remind people of, yeah. of what they're actually talking about. And I'm not saying I know more. I'm just trying to give you the opposite side of what you're seeing out there. And um, I don't think there's a there's a, a basketball observer worth his weight um, or her weight that says Pascal Siakam is not a good player. He just struggled. Tim, let's look ahead now for this Raptors team. What's next for the Raptors? Let's start now uh, with Masai Ujiri. There was a Mark Masai, 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 Masai. Like, what's going on with that? Because, you know, Mark Stein <laughs> tweeted out that there was a rumbling going on that uh, the extension was going to be announced. But then Masai comes out, does the media press conference, says that he has yet to speak to the Raptors about that. He's got one year uh, left on his deal. What's going on there? Like, is this thing going to get done soon? Or uh, what do you see happening? I, uh, there's two things to Messiah. I know he's a competitor and I think that Kawhi leaving and the way this season ended would lead me to believe that he'll be back. I also know that he's hotter than he's ever been, uh, for a multitude of reasons. And I don't know what he wants to do with his life. Um, but I do know that there are aspirations beyond basketball and his basketball point. without borders is a big part of, of what he's doing. Uh, with his life outside of the Toronto Raptors. Now, does that mean that he would be better served being the president of the Toronto Raptors to further that? Not sure. Um, does he want to do other things? Does he want to go back to Africa and help the NBA set up a league? Like, I believe so much in Maasai. I once sang about it um, on uh, on a show with Sid. Um, but... I believe so much in him. Whatever he wants to do, I think he can do it. Like, I don't think this is negotiations. I don't think this is a ploy. I think he's going to get Nick Nurse done. I think he's going to get Bobby Webster done. And then he's going to evaluate what he needs moving forward and how long that deal ends up being. But there's no doubt that the Raptors uh, need Masai 
to help them continue to cultivate the culture that you've seen over the last couple of years. Yeah, he did say that he, he wants the leadership to be taken care of first before his own needs. So, uh, yeah, I agree with that take. Um, as far as the players go, Raptors have a couple of uh, interesting pending free agents. Fred Van Vliet being the biggest. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Masai said he's going to be their top priority. You got Serge Ibaka. You got Marcus Gasol. If you have to put your, uh, you know, guessing hat on, what do you think happens with those three players? I think, uh, I think we may find out how much Masai or Bobby Webster thinks that Giannis Antetokounmpo is a legitimate possibility in this offseason. So if you tie up long-term money, there's no chance you're getting Antetokounmpo. Yeah. If they tie up short-term money, I think Fred is a really interesting player because you could see a team like, say, the Pistons or the Knicks paying some real good money for Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. And the Raptors are going to have to come close to that in order to keep him. But to me, I mean, Freddie's bet on himself. So if, if he wants to cash out, I'm good with that. And you were undrafted. You took less money and you've proven yourself. If he wants to win, I think he sits down with Masai and says, what, what do we got here? Like, what are we going to do? And that's, I think what every Raptor fan hopes happens. So for me, it's, Freddie Van Vliet, lock him in. Try and do it at a number where you still leave yourself some space. Serge Ibaka's 31. He had a really good year. If he wants to get that one big deal before he gets to, you know, be Marcus All's age, which is 35, I get it. He might not resign in Toronto. If he wants to continue to finish his career in a spot where he might be able to win, then you're walking down the same road Freddie is with Masai. What, what's going to happen here? Yeah. And for Gasol, I think it'll be really interesting because I think if he wants to keep playing basketball, it'll be at a very low number. Yeah. But there will be teams, especially cerebral teams, uh, very smart teams that will inquire into his services. And I saw a report out of Golden State saying that this terrible postseason for Marc Gasol might have been the best thing for the Warriors because they can get them at a low price. And a team like the Raptors, a team like the Warriors that knows how to play basketball can appreciate what Gasol can do and maybe maybe be able to say, listen, we can't ride you the way Nick Nurse rode you, especially this year, but you can be a valuable part of this piece. So I'm going a long way to say, Luca. I think it's Fred Van Vliet, number one. I think it's Serge Ibaka, depending on how you view Giannis's future, and then Marcus All bargain basement if you can, but most likely he's gone. Yeah, I agree with that. And with Fred, you're right; it's so dependent on how realistic Masai and Company views the possibility of getting a Giannis. Because with Fred, I think a number that makes sense for the Raptors would be like 18 to 20 million. Pushing over that, you might get in that fine line. And like you said, you might yeah. have a team like the Knicks or the Pistons throw him the max. And I agree with your stance. Fred Van Vliet has earned that money. If he wants to get paid, I said on a show prior to this, he better go get paid because he's, he's earned every bit of that. So uh, I, I would not would not hold any resentment towards that at all. Yeah, I don't think if anyone, like even if someone like the Knicks or like if you got five at 25 or four at 25, um, would anyone just like say, ah, oh, Fred, screw him. <laughs> exactly. I know, Congrats, I, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's a max deal, but even if it's at 425, something like that, like 
congratulations. You bet on yourself. You cashed out. You have a hundred million dollars you can take care of your family with. Like I, exactly. I, I know. I know you can be a fanatic and get upset, but for me, good on you. It's inspiring. It really yeah. is inspiring. Um, what other moves could you see the Raptors make? For this offseason, you've obviously heard the the rumor that everybody else has heard with the Montrez Harrell. Uh, that name has circulated social media in the past 24 hours. Um, he's obviously going to be a free agent. you got some other guys on the market. Do you see the Raptors making any moves of that caliber? Uh, I, I don't, I wouldn't, I would, I think this is going to be a fascinating offseason. I would not, if you're a Raptors fan, stay glued. Just do not look away because... However this breaks down, you're either going to be looking at whether or not you can legitimately afford Giannis unless he signs a long-term deal. And if he does sign the long-term deal, do you run it back with this team or do you start replacing the older pieces and attempting to give the younger pieces um, a little bit more leeway? That's a good point. And to me, that, that, is, that is the ultimate question for the Raptors this offseason how legit are the 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 Giannis uh like is that dream sweepstakes actually legit or do you turn it over to the kids give Kyle his one year listen there are going to be a lot of people inquiring into Kyle a lot of te- you don't think the Los Angeles Clippers could use a player like Ky- Kyle that Lally? Player. one more year you've got two of your superstars that might be able to opt out opt out after this year, man, there are going to be a lot of suitors for Kyle Lowry. Do do the Raptors want him to retire a Toronto Raptor? Is that something Kyle wants? Man, there are so many levels to this. I think it starts with Giannis and how real that opportunity is. And then you just peel back and you start figuring out. The one thing I will say is OG Ananobi has, has given me enough to prove that he might be able to do that draft and develop and step up to that level where we've seen other guys do it. And hey, Kawhi was, you know, a later first round pick. You look at Paul George, same thing, 10th overall pick, developed into a guy. Yeah. Um, and and both of those guys had injuries in their senior season. OG Ananobi came in, coming off of an injury. So I I there are possibilities definitely there. And Luca, man, I'm so jacked about what this offseason brings because every little move will peel back another layer of the onion and we get to have fun with it. Yeah, the offseason is always fun to talk about. And I love that point you brought up about OG because I think he's only still like 23. Hasn't really even officially hit his prime. Tim, I agree with you. I really think OG can turn into something special. Now, is he going to become the next Kawhi Leonard? Probably not, but can he become a very good two-way player? If he can continue to develop that offensive game and have more consistency with that offensive game, I think he's going to be set because you already know what he brings to you defensively. And he really impressed me besides the shot, obviously, but he really impressed me in the playoff bubble, particularly in that series against the Celtics. Cause when the Raptors yeah. were down Oh two OG had a couple of big moments. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think the, uh, that development is based on confidence for OG and an OB. And I think that the bubble gave him a lot of confidence. Like I really think that you, you can come out of that if you're OG and an OB and legitimately think, yeah, the next step is available for me. And it was funny, as I was watching Jason Tatum, who I think is going to be a superstar, um, and I was watching Pascal Siakam, and I was watching Jalen Brown, and I was watching OG Ananobi. Like, I saw, like, this could be a battle for a long time. Yeah. Um, And that rivalry is now real. And I just, I saw similarities between 
those two teams and those two guys. The offseason after this offseason, what's more likely to happen? The dream scenario of Giannis or, hey, listen, could we you know, see Kawhi Leonard regret his decision and somehow make it back to Toronto? I'm playing fantasy right now with you. Yeah, no. if, 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 we, if, if you had to choose one or the other, what would you go with? We, we, did, it, uh, we did it last year on the show. And Sid was was moaning about uh, Kawhi Leonard leaving. I said, the only sign is get out after two years. What if he realized it didn't work and came back? And Sid just started salivating <laughs> the idea of it. Listen, um, I hope that Toronto becomes a destination. And I hope people have seen over the last five years, and even this year specifically, and, and, and how the team dealt with um, social injustice and, and race issues, and, and maybe there are a few people who appreciate this place and this franchise a little bit more than they have in the past. Um, I've never really understood why people didn't make it the destination. Um, I saw the potential, and I think a lot of the world now has seen the potential. And I think that's really interesting for Raptor fans. And maybe even a, a guy like Kawhi Leonard who went home and wanted to go home maybe realizes what he had in Toronto. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it, it's good that Toronto's starting to maybe become that destination because you know better than anybody else for all these years, nobody wanted to come close to playing for the Toronto Raptors. And it was very frustrating, whether you're a commentator of the team, you know, a fan of the team. So hopefully yeah. better days are coming. Uh, Tim, before I get you out of here, what do you see happening in the final four? I want to get your finals prediction and your yeah. NBA champion. Okay, so um, Miami Heat have a two nothing lead. So I get that's I like the Miami Heat, by the way. I like the team. Here's here's my take on this year. I believe the return of the team is showing that you can't do it with two guys. Is LeBron James good enough and Anthony Davis good enough to do what others couldn't do with just two? Are they that much better than Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? Um, are they? deeper as a team to be able to withstand what Denver throws at them. If Denver had more experience, I would love to pick Denver over LA. If, if Denver had been there a couple more times, I would love to pick them because I believe this year is all about the team. Yeah. Um, I think the Miami heat are going to win the NBA championship. Wow. I don't think, I don't think the Lakers and I think Jimmy Butler has just enough experience to sprinkle down on the rest of the Miami Heat who basically have never been there before. I, I believe what we're seeing is the renaissance of the team. You need three. And right now in L.A., they only got two. But they got all that experience, and that's what scares me. Uh, I think Jimmy Butler has enough experience maybe to offset it and sprinkle it down to the rest. But the late the, the, the Clippers showed us that the Lakers need more. Yeah. And I, I'm just scared that LeBron's that good. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. I, yeah. I, that's what I personally believe. It's going to be the pi picture-perfect ending of, you know, you're the face of the NBA still winning the championship in what's been a wild season. But I got to tell you, Tim, this has been one of the best NBA playoffs in recent memory. I mean, yeah. you know, so much uh, parody. You don't know what's going to happen. Nobody saw the Clippers blow a 3-1 lead in the fashion that they did. Denver's been the story of the playoffs along with Miami. I mean, every Canadian's rooting for Jamal Murray and Denver right now. 
And yeah, it's uh, whatever happens from here on out, I think basketball fans are in for a treat and we might see something unexpected like the Heat winning the championship, which by the way, I'd be okay with because how can you hate on that team right now after all they've done? Can't. It's been unbelievable. And a true team, right? Like every piece means something. We'll see how it all goes down. But uh, Tim, thank you so much for taking the time and joining me on the show. Maybe next time we'll get Tim and Sid. That'd be a dream scenario for me, maybe. Nah, nah. <laughs> dream scenario for you, for me. Uh, yeah. Just another day enough. at the office. I, I work enough with that dude, uh, but we'll see if we can't hook it up. But thanks so much, Tim. Really appreciate it, guys. Like, sub, share. Definitely catch Tim and Sid on the weekdays. They do a phenomenal job. And uh, as an aspiring young broadcaster, I definitely look up to you guys. So, Tim, once again, thanks so much, man, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Appreciate the words and uh, appreciate you having me on. Be well.